We all know the Bengals' chances for success in 2023 largely hinge on the status of Joe Burrow, but since we don't have news about Burrow's calf today, let's get into what's going right and what's going wrong for the Cincinnati Bengals so far in 2023. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko. He's your host James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, bringing you coverage of your team every day. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join that first listen club, making us your first listen every day, and make it a habit. Become an every day, or why not? We'll have you covered every day here as the Cincinnati Bengals work through their 2023 season. And today we're going to get into some of the things that are going right, some of the promising areas, some of the promising players on this team, some of the guys that showed something in the first couple of games of the year, some areas that still need improvement, some areas for concern, some areas to watch. And we'll get into that today. This episode brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code, all lowercase, LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match. Up to $100. James, there is a lot of concern in national media among Bengals fans, you name it, for the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. Two years in a row, they've started 0-2. Everyone knows the stats. We talked about them ad nauseum last year. 0-2 teams have a very hard time making the playoffs. The Bengals did it last year. They went to the AFC Championship game. They were 0-3 in the division. They've been there before. There are differences this year. We've talked about those this week. I know you've talked about them over on the Cincinnati Bengals talk YouTube page and on your website, allbengals.com. The difference is that Joe Burrow's calf is a question. That aside, I think we can talk about the rest of this football team and, and some, some other things that are happening with this football team because we, we simply don't have an update today as we record this uh, on, on Tuesday afternoon on Joe Burrow's calf and probably won't until Thursday, quite frankly, when the Bengals resume practice for Monday Night Football. And who knows how much of an update that is, right? right? I mean, we'll see, but I could totally see them keeping it pretty tight to the vest. The thing that stands out to me the most, and maybe this is just buying in too much to to what I saw on on Sunday against the Ravens because there was no Miles Garrett or TJ Watt or, or any of those elite guys. I think they have a good offensive line. Like, I think it's good. Not great. Not not the, the top offensive line. I'm not saying this is the Eagles rolling out there. I'm not saying that all these guys are going to be pro bowlers. Uh, I'm not saying that they didn't get beat at times. But I look at this unit, and man, if you can get just normal Burrow and uh, a defense that, that can get some stops here and there, and obviously they struggled with Lamar the other day, I think the offensive line, th- this is the year where we might not be having the conversation that we've had in, in recent years and, and really for the past seven seasons dating back to that 25, uh, 2015 campaign was the last time the Bengals line was good, 16 stunk, and then it got worse from there. Really uh, throughout Joe Burrow's tenure, it's been the thing that's been, whether it's on podcasts like this, national shows, it's something you and I have, have talked about a ton or been asked. 
And, and I, I think that at least as of now, again, it's not perfect. And I can already feel people saying, are you serious? Burrow been hit, Burrow this, bro. I think their offensive line is good. And, and that's one of my takeaways. Miles Garrett's going to beat you. Spoiler. Despite that, I, I think overall, this is a solid offensive line and by far the best offensive line Joe Burrow has had since he got drafted. They have designed the offense for Joe Burrow to get rid of the ball very quickly, obviously, with his calf. They've designed the offense to protect Joe Burrow a little bit and to keep him healthy. But through two games, he's been pressured the fourth least in the NFL. So broad strokes here, and this includes a week one where the offensive line wasn't good and pass protection wasn't good. They were not. I agree with you. Yeah. It was much better against the Ravens. Zach Taylor talked about it. There's some players on the offensive line that need to be better that we'll talk about as well. But in general, the offensive line through two games in 2022, given what they're asking them to do, right, in terms of quick passing game and all this stuff, I think it's going pretty well. You compare it to last year, Joe Burrow pressured more, but the big difference through two games last year, what was the sack number? 13 was mm-hmm. the sack number through two games mm-hmm. for Joe Burrow last year. This year, what is it, three? He's taken some hits for sure. It hasn't been perfect by any means, but the sack number way down this year, a lot of that by design, a lot of that, a lot of quick game, right? Joe Burrow's getting rid of the ball. His clock a little bit sped up even, but that's a significant difference. But they were running – and I, I know we're not doing Burrow. By the way, this idea that, oh, my God, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the, the offense is completely different, running quick game. Welcome to their 2022 offense. Broad strokes, but guess what? They ran a lot of quick game. Like this idea that I, they, they, I think they were hoping to evolve a bit with this offensive line and be able to go under center more and all of those things. And they haven't been able to do some of those things because of the calf. But let's not pretend that they had to throw away 82 pages out of the 84-page the, the playbook here to get Burrow on the field. That's not the case. That said, I agree with you. They, they've done some quick game. It's helped the offensive line. But how much better would they even look if, if it was normal Burrow mm-hmm. and, and, and moving in the pocket Burrow, playmaking Burrow? Like that, that's the part of it where it is hard to separate. And I could I could totally feel people saying, Oh my gosh, you guys are buying into the Ravens game, even though there were still five quarterback hits. I just think they're pretty good. Not great, but good. Yeah, it's a functional offensive line. It's not yeah. perfect. Like we've said that 17 different ways. It's not elite. It's not, you know, Trent Williams equivalents at every position. Zach, Zach um, Martin. Why am I Martin. blanking? Martin. Man names uh zach martin dallas cowboys best guard i'm just glad you didn't say jack martin who's jack martin nobody but okay you know, zach martin <laughs> like you know you just get it get yeah it wrong that way um point is while there's some spots we'll talk about that are some areas for concern i think on the offensive line still where things need to be better overall the protection has been better first game aside was bad they made some corrections it got better over the course of the game miles garrett a freak had again like a 40 plus percent win rate against the steelers on monday night football even though he didn't get home the browns have a really good front four the ravens do not 
my expectation going into that game, as we discussed, was the line should look a lot better in pass protection. They did look a lot better in pass protection. I mean, there's a play where the Ravens send seven, the Bengals have six into block, Ted Harris blocks two guys. That's pretty good. It's a highlight play in pass yes. protection. You don't get a whole lot of those for Ted Harris. So that is one area. And, and in particular, want to shout out Orlando Brown, who looks worth the money, I would say, at left tackle. They've had a little bit yes. of help over there for him in, in a similar way to the, the Chiefs, the way the Chiefs had a little bit of help over there for him at times. But he's held up, I think, pretty dang well at the left uh, at left tackle for the Bengals, and that is not an area where there's any concern for me. No, I totally agree with you, and and that's that's what you needed to see. And so, if you're looking for reasons for hope, I think the offensive line is one of them. Which is what what a 180 that is when it comes to this Bengals offense. And uh, there's plenty more to dive into. Uh, good and bad Jake uh, as we do a I don't even want to call it a non-Joe Burrow show because Joe Burrow's been mentioned a lot in segment one and I think he'll be mentioned a few oh, yeah. more times but we'll uh, we'll continue coming up next today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and eBay Motors have has teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire for running backs, which running backs have certainly been an issue in fantasy leagues every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. And Ravens rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers had a fine debut in week one before a more modest week two, despite the big play against the Bengals. Flowers will go into full bloom while cruising to a big game against a weak Colts secondary at home in week three. He'll be schemed open as well as Baltimore's new look passing game continues to find more life with Lamar Jackson. And whether it's Zay Flowers, whether it's your fantasy league, Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win a championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, keep your ride running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it, including, oh yes, the Daewoo is still in. Rapine Manor and Rapine Garage in the Daewoo is up and running and eBay Motors keeping it on the road. Plus, at the prices that they offer, it's a reasonable cost to keep the Daewoo on the road, I might add. So keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's stay on the topic of the offensive line for a moment, James, because while it has shown signs of life, week two, much better than week one, a much better matchup, to be sure. And Orlando Brown, I think, has been solid in both games. Jonah Williams, after a lot of hype in the preseason, and honestly, he looked fine to me watching live during the game outside of a play or two, was a little bit worse to me on rewatch, does have... The, the issues with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith in week one on, on film as well. 
It hasn't been as smooth a transition to right tackle for Jonah as I thought it might be based on what we saw in camp, what we saw in the joint practice with Green Bay, what we saw in his brief preseason action, what we heard from coaches. Jonah Williams, a player who needs to play better on the offensive line. The other one that I really did not notice, honestly, in either game watching live and on tape, has to make some pretty big strides. Cordell Volson, who we were hoping to see a second-year leap from, mm-hmm. has had some pretty significant issues a few times a game. And it's like he's he's largely fine, and then he gives up three instant pressures outside of the snaps where he's largely fine. And he's having issues with size and strength in the run game as well. There's still plenty of time for Cordell Volson to write the ship, and he's shown some some signs on the plays that aren't the bad reps that he's going to be a fine, solid player. But some of those concerns that I had where the the little things that he had to improve to be more consistent, some of that stuff is still there so far. And that's another area where I'm watching closely to see, okay, Cordell Volson, can, can you show that you've made these improvements in these little areas and clean some of this stuff up? Yeah, you certainly hope so. Because if, if those guys can make, just a little bit more of an improvement, which you would expect as the season goes on. Certainly, Volson expectations were pretty high. You talk to his teammates, right? The, the two guys he's playing in between, Orlando Brown Jr., Ted Karras, they weren't shy uh, about praising him coming into the season. And uh, I, I don't want to say they went out of their way, but they pretty effusive in, in what they said about Volson. So you hope it, it improves. And if it does, that would be another another positive where you're like, okay, this line really can be a strength and not a weakness. And it's been a weakness for many years. And I think that was kind of the question coming in. Did they do enough to make it a strength? And we'll see, because I, when I said good, I didn't say it was a strength of the team. I wouldn't list it yet at at that spot, but if Volson improves, if Jonah gets more, more comfortable on the right side, I I do think that there's the potential for that Mm -hmm. to happen. So we'll see if it does happen glass half full, it, it could, uh, but we, we need to see it. So I agree with you. Along the same lines, I think the running game in general is an area where maybe this is partially because they're stuck in the gun with Burrow and, and don't have some of the stuff they worked on in the preseason that we talked about quite a bit through the offseason program, through the early part of training camp before Burrow got hurt, even throughout training camp, some of the play-action game. Maybe that's part of it. You know, they've been so heavy in the shotgun. Um, would like to see a little bit more diversity in the run game and and honestly need to see these guys sustain blocks a little bit better in the run game, mostly across the board. There, there've been some, some good plays in the run game as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, there's a third and short where Joe Mixon runs behind the right side of the line and Ted Karras and they get great push. Drew samples had some really nice blocks in the run game as well. So don't want to sound entirely negative here, but definitely something I think needs to improve on the other hand, let's flip back to the positive coin, James. Mm-hmm. Some big improvements in week two from Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd didn't come down with that catch in the corner of the end zone, so it wasn't perfect for Tyler Boyd. But I thought they were generally awesome against the Baltimore Ravens. And I know that the Ravens secondary was depleted. And whatever you want to say about the Ravens secondary, but T. Higgins made it look depleted. Tyler Boyd had a lot of really great routes in that game, showed his reliability as a third down target a few times. I thought... They were both really good at the skill player spot. Uh, 
conspicuously absent perhaps from this conversation is Jamar Chase. There's a bigger conversation around Jamar Chase. It's not Jamar himself, but Jamar plus usage around Jamar Chase. Very hot topic in Bengals yeah. social media right now. Also want to shout out Joe Mixon as another skilled player who's playing great right now. So TV, running Higgins, hard. Joe Mixon, all those guys pretty impressed with right now. He's running hard. There's no doubt. And running with purpose and hopefully he could keep it up, especially if, you know, if bro's limited, if he misses time, they, they are going to have to rely on the run game. Like this offense is going to be much different and you're going to be banking on these skill guys and Mixon's certainly one of them. It, it's um, the Jamar chase stuff is weird. It's weird because obviously we've, we've watched the games, but then you look at the numbers and it's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> 10 catches for 70 yards. What it, it, are those his first half stats? Oh, wait, what are you serious? That's for two games? Like th- that's first half stats to me. And it would still be weird because 10 catches for only 70 yards would be insane. So that needs to change. I, I think it's a mixture of things, a bunch of them. But that has to change starting on Monday, regardless of who's under center. And that that's what I think is interesting. There's been a lot of scheme discussion within social media and amongst the, the fan base. Things are going to change scheme-wise a lot if nine isn't there. And I don't know if it's – it's probably not for the better, but I don't want to say that for sure, but they'll have no choice. And so I could see some saying, oh, well, that's going to be good. I don't know about that. I don't think it would be good necessarily. But regardless, whatever they do, it does have to feature Jamar more. What did you think about him saying more go balls? I, I, that's been misconstrued to, I think, mean he wants to run more go routes. I think that he wants more targets on some of those plays. Wants to be perhaps the primary a little bit more often or just wants the ball to come his way more. I think he just wants the ball. Like they're probably three plays, maybe four plays against Baltimore in week two where he's open for either a touchdown or a big gain and the ball just doesn't go his way. Can can you orchestrate more primary Jamar Chase go ball stuff? Probably. They were using him a ton and perhaps this is game plan specific. They were using him a ton in the slot as a screen threat against Baltimore fans got really sick of seeing the ball thrown to Jamar chase at or behind the line of scrimmage. And I get that he is a downfield threat as well. A lot of people wondering, well, why don't they just throw him the ball on, on screens? Why don't, you know, on slant, sorry, not on screens, get, get him going vertically as well. Jamar's still good. Don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't a segment about Jamar chase struggling. This is, yeah, they need to find ways to make him the primary a little bit more, and, and, and against Baltimore, they just focused on T, and T was really good. So hard to fault them for that in the second half. In the first half, though, that second drive in particular, maybe on that second down, instead of the, the, the screen there, you, you dial something up or you, or you try to get the ball to Jamar moving down the field a little bit instead of behind the line of scrimmage. Well, I, I'll say the screen part. I, I'm, I'm kind of done. It, it's okay. i mean it's, they, they can't scrap it right because it's he he's good at it so you can't totally get rid of it but maybe be more selective right well no doubt it just it feels like everyone knows it's coming and whether that's fair or not once you hit some of those other shots 
mm -hmm. and get some of those big plays. I, I feel like it's different than, all right, Jamar, you caught it, now go run. And they had the fake screen off it in week one that should have been a touchdown to T. So, like, they have some stuff off of it. And also, it's baked into a lot of their RPOs. Like, Jamar is running a bubble on the other side of the RPO. And, sure. and some of those are going to him. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, let's, and let's I don't find a way to scrap. get the dynamic player shots down the field. And I don't mean scrap it, really. But I just... I, I'm with him. Like, let's let's save the, the, the bubble gum for a little later and try to find try to find the, the the throws where he he has a shot because it's just it, it hasn't worked to the to the level that you would expect it to work because he's really not in space and there are multiple guys around him usually and it's it's just tough sledding for Jamar so uh we have more to talk about uh, on offense we haven't hit the defense much yet we will do that as well let's dive into it coming up next Let's talk about Prize Picks, a sponsor of this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Super easy to play. One of my favorite things about Prize Picks is that I can make my my picks and submit my entry in sixty seconds or less. And what do I do when I make those picks? I just have to pick whether I think Patrick Mahomes, for example, is going to have more or less than two passing touchdowns, or whether Justin Jefferson is going to have more or less than 100 yards receiving. Sometimes it's really easy and you're not going against all the spreadsheet warriors of normal daily fantasy sports. You are just going against the projections. They also have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, each Tuesday, prize picks, discounts, selected player projections up to 25% to get even more value. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Check out all their options for daily fantasy sports and use promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Real quick on the offense, Jake, before we get, to the defense Irv Smith jr. I, he's yeah. been, he's been the subject of criticism and it's the Hayden Hurst and all, all that stuff. And look, let's break down the two plays that stand out. The first one, it, it's the third in third and long. It was a third and 12, third and eight, something like that. They should have converted. He should have gotten the second foot down. I think he'll tell you that I, whether he jumped and shouldn't have jumped whether he's got to get the toes down, he's got to get the toes down. The other one, I don't know what you think about this. I looked at it multiple times. He got tripped. Like, I, it's tough, and it really sucks because it would have been 50 yards. He would have been running for a while. Maybe it's a touchdown. But he got tripped, and the defender made a good play to trip him. It's not like it was a – he barely touched him. It, mm -hmm. Irv was running and got tripped and was, una was unable to run through the trip. Like sometimes that happens. It sucks. It's like a running back getting tripped in the open field. But when it happens, it, it's, it, it is what it is. So I, I think he's, he's taken some criticism, and I get it. Hayden Hurst was hard to tackle last year. I don't know if Hayden Hurst breaks that. He might have gotten tripped up there too. Uh, it, when, when players went high on him, when DBs went high on him, they usually lost. But that was a low trip. Sometimes it's tough to, to run through those. It's tough. It's a hard play. The first play, I agree with you 100%. Either he didn't need to leave his feet or he needs to get the back foot. And it was a good throw. 
it was a right throw. People wanted the ball to go to Jamar Chase on the other side. He's capped by a safety. And if Joe Burrow's eyes are on that side of the field, I guarantee you that safety is closing that window hard. I think it was the right decision. Just got to get the feet in. It was a good throw. Mm -hmm. The other one, again, a really good throw. Joe Burrow puts it on the outside shoulder for Irv Smith to start leading him away from the leverage of the defender to give him a chance. It's a hard ask to ask him to break that tackle. You would like to see him break that tackle. Sure. I mean, like, you would like your tight end to make that play. But, hey, Kyle Hamilton, great player on the other side, made a good play. Sometimes the defense makes good plays. Geno Stone pick, a great example of that. Um, not a good play for Joe Burrow by any means, but sometimes the defense just makes a good play. But, yeah, I mean, on the topic of tight end, they, they need more out of that spot, I think. Like, we yep. – Talked about Irv Smith as an athletic upgrade, hypothetically, over Hayden Hurst. But I said, I think, quite a few times that the production could be a similar level to what they got out of Hayden Hurst. It just might look a little bit different. So far, they're not quite there in terms of reliability and actually getting those efficient plays with Irv Smith that, that they got with Hayden Hurst. And then Mitch Wilcox and, and Drew Sample. I shouted out Drew Sample for some nice plays in the run game earlier, but those guys aren't doing anything for you. As receivers, so safe to say, through two games, there, there's a real chance they got worse at tight end. Yeah, I think so. They didn't need a tight end in a big way last year, but so far, and perhaps this is just a function of the limited offense early. You would like to see more there. Also, need to see more from these backup running backs. It's a tough group behind Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon playing well, not getting a whole lot out of the backups, and uh, we we talked about Samaj P. Ryan's departure, I think, quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball. Real quick, yeah. Just tight end wise, mm -hmm. I would not be shocked if we see Tanner Hudson sooner rather than later. Mm. Not saying Monday night, but I think he might be their best pass catching threat as a pure pass catcher in that room. Outside of Irv Smith or ahead of Irv no, Smith? No qualifier. Okay. There you go. Big, big. Is okay. it? Is it big? Uh, I feel like like if your practice squad tight end is the best receiver at tight end on your team, that's probably did, not great. Did we have him making the 53, you and me? Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, like, and it's strictly pass catcher, not special teams, sure. not blocking, not any of that stuff. Go ahead. Let's get to the defensive side of the ball here. Plan to spend at least a segment on this. We're not going to have that much time. Uh, through two games – you got DJ Veter still unequivocally awesome. Dax Hill mm -hmm. looks like he's going to be a good player, if not a great player for this team. I think the secondary, that the corners I'm, I'm mostly fine with. I think they're going to be fine. I think the linebackers wasn't a good game for them against Baltimore. It was a bad game for them against Baltimore. They had issues in the run game. They had issues with Lamar Jackson. They had issues with figuring out where the ball was going in the quick game targeting them with Mark Andrews in the middle of the field, et cetera. I think they'll be fine. They've been in this system. They know what they're doing in this system. I'm not worried about them. The big concern for me on the defensive side of the ball is on the defensive line. Trey Hendrickson, great week one, took advantage of Jedrick Wills. We talked about with Sands yesterday that he did not take advantage of Patrick McCarry, a backup left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens in week two. And boy, did not think it would be this rough against the Baltimore Ravens offensive line down two starters. And I know they have experienced backups in, in Makari and, and Mustafer at center. This is not a great offensive line that the Baltimore Ravens put out on the field on Sunday. Defensive line got gouged in the running game. 
couldn't figure out how to tackle Lamar and credit Lamar to that to some degree, but just make a tackle at some point, right? Pressure rate far too low through two games. Defensive line pass rush needs to be better. Guys besides CJ Reader need to be better, more consistent against the run. For the amount of money they're spending on the defensive line, you just need that unit to be better. Yeah, three sacks, two games. Ugh. <laughs> I I mean, uh, you you want you want more production there. That that's something I'm I'm pretty surprised by. Not surprised by Dax Hill. Those that listen to this podcast know I, I've been pretty high on him. I think Nick Scott will continue to settle in. We'll see. There. Needs to. Needs he has, to. He has some. He has some work to do. No doubt, and I, I think Jordan Battle does too. Mm-hmm. Like that. that that's oh, the yeah. part of this. It's not like he was. He's a plug and play option. I, I no. do wonder if Nick Scott misses, how much do we see Tyson Anderson? And we'll have time to talk about that. But how, how much ty- do we see Tyson Anderson versus Jordan Battle? I think that might be a conversation for Lou. We'll see because he doesn't like to rotate much, as we know. It's um, it, it's one of those things. DJ Turner, I love what I've seen from him. I, I think he's mm-hmm. he, he's been impressive. Really need someone in that D line room. Maybe it's Joseph Osai this week. Yeah. I need someone. Him. It's uh it, someone's gotta bring the heat and, and we'll see if they do it. Including and, Trey Hendrickson. And and I, I don't remember who pointed this out. It might have been Joe Goodberry, it might have been Andrew. Oh no, it was Joe Goodberry. Uh the snap pace. We were talking about how the depth should lead to better defensive line rotations this year. Gets mm-hmm. these guys more rest with the depth they have with Cam Sample, with Joseph Osai, with Miles Murphy, who Miles Murphy, clearly a work in progress. Um, Sam Hubbard's on pace for 1,011 1, regular yep. season snaps. BJ Hill, 952. DJ Reader, 859. Trey Hendrickson, 825. Which Joe points out, sorry, Joe, this is, this is subscription content. Um, I just wanted to give you credit for this because they have been on the field a lot. Career high numbers yeah. is the pace for all those guys. Defense has been on the field a lot now, and that's part of it too. Yeah, but let's, that won't. Let's continue. get this rotation going. That part probably you hope doesn't continue. Yeah, but I agree with you. You need someone. You you really need Osai. That's the key because Cam Sample has emerged so, and and now you need someone else to to do the same. Yeah, it's not all bad. As you've heard in this episode, some of you probably think we're being too positive. Some of you probably think we're being too negative. There, there, there are going to be fans on both sides of that optimism, pessimism spectrum that, that are talking about this. Didn't talk about Joe Burrow a lot. I, I thought that he was showing signs of progress. Don't need to dive into that now. We'll see. Like I said, when I tweeted about some of this stuff, just got to keep our fingers crossed on that calf that, that we get some good news here and as you're watching on YouTube, you can see James crossing his fingers. We're back again tomorrow, crossover Thursday, coming up for our next episode. We'll chat chat with the Locked On Rams crew and get prepared for what was going to be a revenge Super Bowl rematch kind of game, Monday Night Football, Ring of Honor for the Still Bengals. Could Still be. could be. That's right. Still could be. And we'll keep an eye out, of course on any news around Joe Burrow's calf. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.